Hello and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. Today's topic, Kelly Cahill's UFO abduction. That's correct, Kelly Cahill's UFO abduction. Now the story comes to us from abc.net.au, written by Matt Neal, and this was posted Friday, September 25th, I believe. And the title says, Holy Grail or Epic Hoax, Australian Kelly Cahill's UFO abduction story still stirs passions. And it begins here, it says, If her story is to be, is to be believed, on August 7, 1993, Gippsland woman Kelly Cahill saw a UFO and beings from another world. As detailed in her 1996 book, Encounter, Miss Cahill's case had all the hallmarks of a classic alien abduction story of the era. Lost time, strange spaceships, bright lights, and human creatures and inexplicable marks on her body. But her story had something other alien visitations didn't. Independent witnesses who potentially back up her story. Now I have to interject here that Travis Walton's had independent witnesses and uh, we have had a few other cases where people were actually witnessed being Abducted. There was also the Manhattan transfer. The lady that was claims that she was abducted from her apartment in uh, Manhattan, right up into a spaceship, and that it was witnessed by some uh, UN employees. It says, but her story had something other alien alien visitations didn't. Independent witnesses, along with her then husband Andrew, who was in the car with her on that fateful night on Melbourne's southeastern fringes. There were reportedly four other people in two separate cars who would be able to verify her otherworldly claims. Because of its multiple witnesses, the incident was hailed as the holy grail of alien abduction stories by UFO researchers and enthusiasts. It was one of the it it was the one with the potential to provide definitive proof once and for all that the truth was out there. Cult TV TV show The X-Files even referenced the case in an episode. But 27 years on, the truth about the so-called Humanering Creek encounter is anything but clear. A detailed report into the claims was never released. The other witnesses never came forward publicly, and Miss Cahill disappeared from public view. So was her encounter a missed opportunity or just another hoax? Now, it has a picture of the gal here, um, and then it has some key points. It says, intrigue surrounds Kelly Cahill's claims of contact with a UFO and otherworldly beings on Melbourne's outskirts in 1993. The remembering encounter allegedly witnessed by others has caused a rift between UFO and paranormal researchers. And then it also says, consider the potential holy grail of alien abduction investigations. A 300-page report remains elusive. Now, I have links to this article at the website, ufowarning.com. There's a couple articles there. And there's also a short, looks like it's a somewhat dated little documentary that I've embedded there that you can watch at the website. There's actually quite a few, actually quite a few um, UFO sightings have been coming up. Uh, and I've posted the videos there, right there at the website, ufowarning.com. And it's a real clean website. You can go there and you can just you can uh, just go down through the site and you can link to the articles that we talk about here on the podcast. Now it goes on, it says, Hooded figures with glowing eyes. 
According to Miss Cahill, she and her then-husband Andrew were driving along the Betgrave Hallam Road in Nerev Warren on that fateful winter's night, 1993. They were en route to a friend's house when Miss Cahill saw in a paddock a row of five or six large orange lights on a distinctive circular shape. Like nothing I had ever seen before, she wrote in her book. When they arrived at their destination, her husband and friends, and eventually even Mrs. Cahill, laughed it off. But about midnight, driving home on the same road, she and Andrew apparently saw what she believed to be the same lights hanging above the road. Now, you know, I'm not really surprised at their reaction to just laugh about this thing. A lot of times people do, when they're confronted with... um, a UFO sighting like this that's just kind of in their face, um, they aren't really able to um, come to grips with it or admit that something like that would even be possible. So sometimes their first reaction is just denial. you know. And, and then part of that denial process is, is to just laugh about it like it's a joke. To just It's the only way they seem to be able to process the emotion. She says, I could then see the orange lights were really windows. I could make out figures standing behind the portals, Mrs. Cahill wrote. The objects flew off at incredible speed, but soon after they saw it, it but soon after they saw it again in the paddock on the side of the road, Miss Cahill said. After that, Miss Cahill's memory blanked, like a cut to scene in a film, and their car had traveled several hundred meters down the road without them knowing. In the days and weeks that followed, she claimed to find strange marks on her body, including a small triangular wound below her belly button, and began experiencing stomach pains and night visitations from tall black-hooded figures with lightly glowing red eyes. Through hypnosis, she said she was able to unlock her missing time. Her husband had pulled over, and they got out of the car to get a better look at the brightly lit object in the paddock. Now, to me, this action right here, where they get out of the car and they walk toward the UFO, it's almost it's almost like one of these situations, you know, where the you've heard the old folklores about the will, the werewolf has to be invited in. It's almost a lot of times in order for people to experience these negative paranormal experiences, it's like they've taken some step to invite this entity in. Now, they may not see that as an invitation. Maybe maybe it's just uh, simply curiosity on their part. But what it looks like to me here, when I see these kind of cases, is as if she would have just kept driving down the road like a lot of us did when we saw those things. And probably none of the rest of this stuff would occur. But at some point, she has made contact whether eye contact or through mental contact, but she definitely made contact because they pulled over to the side of the road and they got out of their cars. That's like stopping and asking a hitchhiker if they'd like to get in for a ride. At that point, you've let them in the car. And without being too critical here, sometimes it seems like, to me almost, enough people have had extremely negative uh, experiences with these things as far as abductions go that I have to have to apply the rule of don't go with strangers you know as she says further back up the road another car had parked its occupant standing at the edge of the field 
A tall, thin figure appeared in front of this object, and Mrs. Cahill heard, heard in her mind's thoughts, Let's kill them. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm hearing in my mind, upon looking at a UFO, the thought, let's kill them, I'm in my car and I'm out of there. More beings appeared, unleashing an energy force that knocked Mrs. Kale to the Miss Kale to the ground as she screamed to her husband, they've got no souls, they're evil, they're going to kill us. And that's where her recollections end, but not the story. The investigation begins. Sydney-based researcher Bill Chalker of the UFO Investigation Center was one of the first people Ms. Cahill contacted after that night. Ms. Chalker immediately thought, Mr. Chalker rather, immediately thought it's a fairly important case, but one that required a lot of feet on the ground and a lot of intensive field investigation. Mr. Charker alerted a loosely connected Melbourne group of paranormal investigators called Phenomena Research Australia, or PRA, led by the director, John Aschetti. Mr. Aschetti interviewed Mrs. K Ms. Cahill many times and examined the scene of the alleged sighting near Remembering Creek, he and PRA placed an ad in local newspapers in an effort to find the occupants of the second car. Remarkably, they got a response, and Mr. Ashetti and said the stories from the second car were identical to Mrs. Cahill's, but went even further, detailing experiences inside the mystery craft where they were strapped to a table and examined by beings. According to the PR, the women had the same triangular wounds near their navels as well as other strange marks. There was even talk of a third car driven by a local lawyer, PRA discovered, whose story also lined up. The researchers began prepping an exhaustive 300-page report that promised to reveal the truth. Well, I see a couple of things there. I see that they did a good job researching who the other witnesses are, and they found those witnesses, and they interviewed them, and everything lined up. Now, if this was uh, an abduction case, well, of course, it was an abduction case, but if it was an abduction case involving people, that right there, those eyewitness testimonies, would have been enough to put somebody away for life, or worse. The second thing I see is the woman's, uh, Mrs. Cahill, is describing this situation to her husband, not so much in terms of aliens or ETs, but in terms of uh, non-human entities, is what I would call them, or some people might say demons. She refers to them as saying that, they're, that they don't have souls. She understands that they want to hurt her. Now, this is going to go against the grain of the Space Brothers theory. You know, they're just here to help us. And, you know, while that theory can be entertained for some cases, we have to also understand that if we are being visited then it might be possible that we're being visited by a wide range of phenomena or creatures. And one particular brand of those might be the not-so-nice variety. And that seems to be what she's found here. Now it goes on, it says, Burning bright in the night. Eventually the media got wind of the story. Miss Cahill appeared on TV Current Affairs show Today Tonight. Her story also ran in newspapers and magazines. By 1996, she was a big name on the UFO circuit. A series of talks and conferences that thrived, and with every appearance, Ms. Cahill unveiled new tidbits from the PRA's forthcoming report. Her book, published by HarperCollins, sold out and was quickly reprinted 
It's currently out of print and copy sell for $150 online. Wow. But by 1998, Ms. Cahill had disappeared from the scene, and none of the other witnesses, including her ex-husband Andrew, had come out publicly to back her story. As for PRA's report, it was also nowhere to be seen. It goes on and says, Fast forward to 2020, and there's still no report. Aside from a brief moment of interest in 2016 when Ms. Cahill's case was name-dropped on the X-Files reboot by Fox Mulder himself, the Umimmering Creek encounter has gone down in infamy. And then it says, as one Reddit user put it, I used to think this was the Holy Grail case of Encanto Reports. I no longer hold that opinion. Remarkably, 27 years on from the event, John Uchetti told the, told the ABC it was possible the PRS report might still come out, but not soon. The case is so good, McCarty said. Our report is worthy of release, but we won't release it now because once we release our report, then we become the focus of the case. Our idea was we would release support and then and then bring witnesses out. At the moment, we don't know where they are, so if we release anything, all the focus is going to be on us. We'll get hammered. He said the original 300-page report was whittled down to an unusable 100 pages or so when the witnesses, including Mrs. Ms. Cahill and her ex-husband, began to ask for information to be taken out and refused to allow the publication of medical and psychological reports they claimed back up, backed up their stories. Mr. Urshetti also said that when Ms. Cahill went to the media and other UFO groups in early 1994, it muddled the case. Well, it seems like here what you have is just a lot of politics, and that's really kind of sad. It's unfortunate that just that so much time has passed that now, you know, who knows if the people that even, you know, that's 1994, 26 years ago, if the, if the original report writers are even still involved with MUFON. And then, you know, a lot of stuff happens where they kind of feel like maybe they lose control of the narrative, lose control of the story. This is why it's so important to make a clear, concise report and release that immediately. And then if they want to go into some kind of long, drawn-out psychological evaluation of what happened down the road in a couple years as far as the actual abduction story happened, do that. This is what I like about like the Calvin Parker story or the uh, Travis Walton story. You got the you you uh, had law enforcement involved involved very quickly. You had uh, polygraphs involved very quickly, and at least with Travis Walton case, and then and then you had you know of course you had the uh, the fact that Walton and uh, I can't think of the other fellow's name were actually being excuse me. Parker and the other fellow were actually being tape recorded in the uh, interrogation room. The police department didn't know it. Turns out that they were completely sincere and open and honest. But we got the we got we got the we've got the bare bones at least of those stories out there right off the bat. And I see it was almost seemed like maybe people were kind of looking for the money here. You know, there got, a book got involved, and that, that always muddies the waters. And goes on here, it says, Back to Earth, as for Kelly Cahill, she dropped off the radar around 1998. Mr. Charker said that in the early 2000s, she called him and sent, and sent him all her files, three large archival boxes, and left the country. 
She is now back in the Latrobe Valley in Gippsland, the same region she was living in when her encounter happened in 1993. The ABC approached Ms. Cahill for an interview, but she did not respond. She really wanted to take a low profile and put all this behind her, Mr. Trucker said. She spent a lot of time trying to raise her profile of this episode and wanted to have other witnesses come out as well. When it, when it ultimately became pretty clear that she was going to be the only one that was going to go public on this, that's when she felt less confident about being the constant contact point on this case, particularly when PRA didn't back her up in terms of having the availability of all the case material that went with it. While it's unclear how Ms. Cahill feels about it all today, for a lot of UFO enthusiasts, her case is either the one that got away, or worse, another one that never really was. Well, you can kind of see the slant that the article took here. Now, they couldn't come out and just use the normal debunking stuff and just smash her to pieces like they normally do because they had other cooperating witnesses. And they know somewhere there's 300 pages of documents that were written at the time to back up whatever she said. The sad thing about this case is that we have other witnesses that talk about being abducted aboard this spaceship, that talk to MUFON about it, but then they come back later and say, well, we don't really want to go public with this. It would have been nice if MUFON would have just came out and released the stuff and just redacted the names. You almost wonder, sometimes when these cases show up where the aliens or whatever they are take on this really negative connotation, whether it's with deductions or whether it's with missing people uh, who end up leaving mutilated bodies behind in national parks or mutilated cattle. It seems like when these super negative situations occur where people are abducted and injured, traumatized, sometimes killed, or where animals are, you know, mutilated where the blood's completely evaporated, evaporated out of the body, where things are done to these creatures or people or whatever that are not humanly possible, and they are obviously evil in nature. It's just so obviously evil that some poor lady gets out of her car, gets zapped up into a spaceship, has a bunch of really traumatic things done to her, then comes back home and finds out she's got these nasty marks left all over her body, triangle-shaped marks. And that it happened to multiple people. When this sort of thing happens, when there's clear evidence that we are being visited, abducted, and in some cases killed by these evil non-human entities, that's when you see the wagons really circle. I mean, it's like it's like when this sort of thing happens, it's almost as if there's an office somewhere where suddenly the sheriff walks into his office and here's a two-page uh, outline telling him how to react. Number one, blame it on satanic cow tippers. Number two, it was teenagers. Uh, number three, it was drones. They have a checklist they go down through. And I think that when this lady came up against that, you know, she probably wrote her book, she got it out here, but the deeper she got into it, the more resistance she got. That's what I think. I think probably the same thing happened with MUFON. The more they got into it, the deeper it got, the uglier it got, the more resistance they got. And usually what happens is they just go away. It's almost as if there's another force working against them to keep the truth from getting out. That's what it seems like. Maybe I'm just being 
my normal conspiratorial self here, but it seems like with these cases, where they're the very dark cases, the very disturbing cases, those seem to be the cases where our own uh, law enforcement, government people, whoever, seem to circle the wagons, try to make the thing go away, and discourage this thing from being part of uh, the news narrative for that week. And that's what I think happened here. I don't think that she's a bad person. I don't doubt what happened to her. I mean, it seems like they found witnesses. The witnesses corroborated, corroborated it with her. It looks like something fairly bad did happen. She was visited by these NHEs, these demonic entities, whatever, for some time afterwards. Maybe they threatened her. I don't know. Something happened. And then something else happened for this, what amounts to a mass abduction, to be tossed down the memory hole. Once again, if you want to take a look at the article, go to ufowarning.com. i got a couple of them there. There's a bunch of other articles I've got posted. Everything from Did Hitler Escape to uh, recent uh, energy-directed weapons that the U.S., China, and India seem to be... Uh, using recently. Real Star Wars stuff. Until next time, this is UFO Warning. Over and out.